No, 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 no. That did not just happen. It couldn't have. Derek actually picked West to go against. Give us the long-awaited and long-dreamt-about rematch. That's what happened. I know it. It's all just one big classic TJ fake-out somehow. Plus, Queen V broke a toe. The Godfather continues his winning streak. Kellyanne recommits to her yoga practice. Nia searches for her self-confidence. Wes wants him some stars. And Johnny Bananas himself makes a cameo blurry screen and shit audio be damned. It's the Challenge All-Stars 3 Episode 8 recap coming at you right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to the Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future. If it's happening in the Challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated Challenge Historian, Jacob Hollaball. Thank you so very, very much for being here with me today. On the pod today, we are breaking down the penultimate episode of All Stars 3. That would be episode 8 for those keeping track at home. Programming notes before we begin are that two days ago, the Inferno 2 full season rewatch recap podcast went live on the feed, so be sure to check that out, as well as all of the first now 10 seasons that have now been covered in mind-blowingly deep detail. The Gauntlet 2 will be up next on our rewatch series, obviously going in order here, so season 11, The Gauntlet 2. I'm hoping to have that out next Monday, but with some weekend travel, plus very exciting, my first ever Challenge Mania event on this Sunday when I normally would be recording that podcast, there is a slight chance that it gets bumped from Monday to Friday, end of the week instead of the beginning, but either way, sometime next week, Monday or Friday, that pod will be out. So find some time over the next week to binge the first ever TJ Lavin hosted season, The Gauntlet 2, and then be on the lookout for that podcast. Elsewhere, the Challenge USA is fast approaching. Two weeks from today, it will premiere. And I will have some sort of preview content for that out on the podcast sometime between now and when that premieres. However, I'm currently uh, on the hunt, honestly, for a possible guest host to join me for that preview so that maybe I could actually talk to someone who knows who any of these people are because aside from one or two Survivor cast members, I've got no clue who these people are. So I'm brushing up, I'm studying up, and I'm looking for someone possibly to join me for that podcast to give myself and you maybe in the same situation as me having no idea who any of these other folks are if you're a challenge-only type of reality fan like myself. So stay tuned. We will see what I can put together for that, but something no matter what, something will come out. We will be covering that show for sure all season long, including hopefully some sort of preview podcast. And then finally, I will, of course, be back next week on Wednesday to break down the All-Stars 3 finale, same time as we've been doing all season long. But we can't do the All-Stars finale until we've broken down the penultimate. So with those programming notes out of the way, let's dive on into episode eight and kick things off as always with our Cliff Notes recap. Let's get ourselves reminded of everything that we just saw, and admittedly, this may be the first ever episode of All-Stars uh, that I feel like not a lot happened. I still I still enjoyed everything we saw. It wasn't a good or bad thing, but for the first time ever, I feel like we were just kind of getting through this episode, that there wasn't 
the whole, whole lot going on. But at the same time, then I look back and I'm like, actually, we saw a ton of different things take place and a ton of different storylines touch on. So let's go back through, do our Cliff Notes recap as quickly as we can. Everything that happened plot-wise, episode eight, All-Stars 3. Here we go. Three, two, one, and we're off. We open with the Godfather stating that he may play until he's 60, which sounds absolutely awesome to this historian. Then Nia chats with Nehemiah about finding her why to get that self-motivation now that her number one ally in the game, Jordan, has been eliminated. Then we're off to the Daily Challenge, where first we learn that Veronica Queen V has broken her toe when she fell down the stairs last episode and has been medically DQ'd from the game. Emotional goodbyes ensue, but the game must go on. And it does as they play flight pattern. You've got to lean out the side of a helicopter to memorize a puzzle down on the water below. When you've got it, you drop from the helicopter to that water, swim to your board, put the puzzle together. Fastest to do it and get it right will enter the authority. It's a scary jump. Some have fun with it. Others are very nervous, most notably Naya, who is able to go up in the helicopter, but ultimately decides she cannot do the jump. She DQs. On the men's side, Mark and Derek are the only two to get the puzzle right, but Mark did it faster, putting him in the authority. For the women, only one woman did it exactly correct. Kellyanne thought she had it correct. It was tilted to the side or something like that. I don't know, but John A got it completely right. She gained safety in the second seat in the authority. Back at the house, a lot of scenarios are run, mostly by Wes, trying to figure out who will end up in what is believed to be the final elimination, and if getting extra stars is worth volunteering for that final elimination. Wes goes so far in this thinking that he makes a business call, quote unquote, to none other than Johnny Bananas himself to get some advice. Eventually, the authority decides that Kayla will go in for the women and that Derek will go for the men, with Mark's thinking being that if he picks Wes or Nehemiah, then they're just going to call out Derek no matter what, so better to give his guy the choice of who he wants dependent on the game they see. We enter the arena, and there it is, a stick in the sand. You love to see it, unless, of course, you are a competitor who may have to grab hold of that stick and face the brutality of what it entails. Kayla calls out Kellyanne, and then Derek is given the opportunity to call out Wes, the guy who beat him in pole wrestle way back on the duel and has talked shit about it ever since, but no revenge will be had. Derek goes with the quote-unquote easier route in his mind and calls in Nehemiah. TJ explains, light my fire. It's pole wrestle, but with a twist. Not only do you have to wrestle the pole away, but you've got to then take the pole and light the end of it on fire using your particular fire-filled cauldron. The men are up first, and maybe last, and as they start to throw each other around the ring, the episode cuts out, and we've got ourselves a good old-fashioned cliffhanger. That is where the story ends for this episode, and that is where our storyline segment begins. So I want to start here, slightly different uh, than normal. We will talk about uh, the biggest storylines from the episode in one moment, but the first thing I want to talk about that is related it was the biggest thing for me coming out of this episode as a, a storyline, maybe not just in particular to this episode of The Challenge, but a problem The Challenge has slowly but surely built for itself over time, and that keeps, keeps, keeps reoccurring, and they keep shooting themselves in the foot a little bit with this one problem that they do over and over, and it's not just The Challenge that does this in any way. It's a lot of the entertainment world now does a similar sort of thing, but it's it's at its worst a little bit on the challenge, and they've really leaned into it more and more every season and of late, and uh, it's driving me a little bit crazy. So we're going to talk about it first, and that thing is they've got to stop 
with the editing in the production side, they've got to stop setting the expectations so much higher than they can actually reach. They've got to stop taking what they film and trying to give us and, and tease us with things that don't actually exist that are ultimately better than the good things they have to give us. When you have this wonderful show, we all love it so much, you don't need to set unrealistic expectations that can't be met. That is not a good recipe for success. It leaves a bad feeling, a weird taste in the mouth when you're still giving us great stuff. I love this season of All Stars 3. The thing I do not love, though, is thinking that there's going to be these moments that there actually, in reality, never happened or never were going to happen. And now, instead of enjoying this, you know, at times, you know, B, B plus, A minus, A content that we're getting, this wonderful television show, instead of, you know, thinking that how wonderful this is and grading it on the fact that it's, it really is awesome and great and wonderful, we're thinking, wait, why didn't, I thought this was going to happen. I thought this was going to happen. And it hurts the product in life and business and entertainment and everything. It's important to set proper expectations and then exceed them. The more you can exceed expectations, the better the end result is, the better mentally it is going to be thought about by your fans, your customers, whoever. And when you set them high and constantly come up short, it just leaves a whole different feeling. And you can have the same end result, but based on what you've set the expectations to be, you're gonna feel differently about that same end result. So with you know, with the challenge, if we're we go in and we're expecting this one's gonna be a 10 out of 10, this season, this episode, this moment, whatever, it's gonna be a 10 out of 10, and then we get an eight out of 10, I'm kind of bummed out, which is silly because it's an eight out of 10. That's fucking great. But if I expect a six or a seven or an eight. And then I get an eight, I'm thrilled. I can fully enjoy that eight. I feel great about it. I'm like, hey, great job. You guys really did a good job. This is a very good season. This is a very good episode, a very good storyline, whatever it is. But when it continually is are misled to believe something is going to happen that doesn't in fact happen, and that thing we're misled to believe might happen is would be monumental, would be this unbelievable colossal thing, then it leaves, you know, it leaves this sour taste. It leaves us not fully able to appreciate how good what we are getting is. And so this episode had two moments of that, and they're not the first moments of this season, and it's not the first moments in, you know, recent challenge history. They've been doing this a decent amount. They've really gone over the top with the, you know, the trailers to start the season, the uh, this season on trailers, sometimes the next week on and all of that at finding ways to take whatever little clips they got and piece them together to make us, you know, to give the misdirect and what they, I'm assuming they're thinking, let's build suspense. Let's build, you know, let's you know get people hyped up. The more hype there is, the more people might tune in. They want to see this thing. But then what if all those people leave disappointed? Then are those people going to come back? You got them once, but are you going to be able to get them second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time, on and on and on and on? I don't know. So this episode had exa perfect examples of this. Now, yes, part of this is on me, the viewer. Maybe, maybe you're sitting there thinking I'm about to give these couple examples, and you're thinking, "Well, you're you're a dummy, Jacob. Like, what, what the fuck? Of course, none of that was ever going to happen." But the whole point of them teasing us with things that are never going to happen is they want us to think about those things that are never going to happen. It's not if they put it in the teasers, if they put the idea out there themselves 
then it's on them. It's not on the viewer, me, for running with those ideas. They're putting them out there for me to run with those ideas, for me to start the conversation. And the greatest example from this episode is we get a Johnny Bananas appearance. We knew that somehow, some way, Johnny Bananas was going to appear because after episode number one or episode number two, they dropped them both on the first week. Uh, I forget which one had the this season on trailer. And in that, if you remember back, I reacted in a huge way on the podcast afterwards because I was like, holy shit, they just showed Johnny Banana's face on the screen, he's laughing, and then they show Wes being all pissed off about the game being unfair, this, that, and the other, and right before they showed Johnny's name, they showed the clip of TJ saying, I brought in some reinforcements. So, I brought in some reinforcements, Johnny Banana's face, Wes very upset. I know in my heart of hearts, in my mind of minds, that there's no way in that moment, I knew there's no way Johnny Bananas is not a mercenary. He's not a replacement. He's not on this season. And if I would have went back and really watched in depth, I would have watched that thing over and over. Yeah, you could tell Johnny Bananas is on like a Zoom call or whatever. But they showed us very much on purpose TJ's bringing in reinforcements. Johnny Bananas might be here. Wes is real pissed about it. They're telegraphing something that's never going to happen. And the idea of if in the middle of this season, this great season I want to continue to add, if in the middle of it, Johnny Bananas would have shown up out of nowhere, and when Wes goes into an elimination, he thinks he's going against, yes, no mercenary, Johnny Bananas here. Or they get to a final and Wes is there, and there's some sort of Bananas is there just to be like co-host and do some, you know, hand out a sabotage or something. All of that would have been so amazing. And in the end, we get a call between Wes and Bananas, and it's a fun time. Bananas wears a red thong. It's funny. There's, you know, good things are had. But that is nowhere near Johnny Bananas coming in as a mercenary or as a replacement or actually showing up in uh, on location in Panama in any sort of way. And so instead of getting to enjoy just if we would have had no idea and just out of nowhere, it would have been like, Oh, whoa, Wes is going to do call Johnny Bananas on Zoom to talk game with him. This is cool. This is fun. Instead, we get it, and I'm like, this is cool, but it would have been cooler if he was there, if he was competing, something, if there was more to it than that. And also, while we're on the Johnny Bananas-Wes Zoom call, um, Johnny on the Zoom call is in his apartment or wherever he lives, house, apartment, home, whatever, where he films all of his podcasts, um, you can tell by the blurred out background, you can still tell it's the same background as he always does his podcast. His podcast has no audio problems at all. So I know he is working with the proper audio equipment. Why does, why can we barely understand what he's saying? Why is his audio complete and utter shit? Like what, whose decision was that? Um, did they just, was it just someone didn't plug in? Did he not plug in the microphone or like, we're not going to make you and Wes redo that call or something? What? And then why was it all blurry? I get no product placement or whatever. They're his own products. They blurred out his shirt that says bananas on it. And they blurred out his logo in the background. That is just his little bananas logo, which is Johnny bananas. He makes all of this money off that merch because he's famous for the challenge and because challenge fans buy it. Why you got to blur out his shirt that says bananas. It, it made it very weird that it's all blurry. We can barely hear him. And, you know, thankfully he, they make the most of it by him walking around in the thong, which is funny and, you know, gets a laugh out of Wes or whatever. But I digress. They set us up for some huge thing. It didn't actually happen. And instead of enjoying the cool thing we got, I'm left feeling like 
Ah, it could have been cooler. Second one that happens then. Derek in the end of the episode, to go all the way to the end of the episode, Derek picks Nehemiah instead of Wes to go against and pull wrestle. Now, in a vacuum, if you told me we get a Derek versus Nehemiah pull wrestle, that is great. That is juicy. That is, you know, they've had this little rivalry stirring the first few All-Star seasons. There's clearly some sort of beef for bad blood, at least a little bit of real animosity there. They're both great competitors. This is going to be awesome. But when you go into it, in the entire five to 10 minutes uh, before they actually go down in the sand before Derek makes his pick is all just setting up, holy shit, what if Derek and Wes did a pole wrestle? I mean, I was talking about that last week and at the beginning of the season without anything, you know, any red meat being thrown to me by the editing or the producers or whatever. I was, you know, hypothesizing, dreaming about the idea of these two are on a season together. There's always a pole wrestle on All-Stars. What if it ended up being those two? I predicted it last week. I thought that's what this final elimination would be. And then they not only talk a bunch about it, they get to the arena, they show the pole. I literally stand up out of my seat. I am so excited. I can't contain it. They give us the fucking montage of Wes and Derek doing pole wrestle before. They both talk about it in confessionals. It's all building up and you're like, holy shit, I cannot believe I am about to watch Wes and Derek do a pole wrestle. And then Derek does his whole speech and he picks Nehemiah. And again, started this whole you know thing with Derek versus Nehemiah on its own with no other context around it. That's fucking awesome. That's great A. I loved everything we saw the pole wrestle. I think it's gonna be an absolute bloodbath. It's gonna be thrilling. It's great. Everything about it's great. It might be an A. It might be an A minus, it might be a B plus, depending how competitive it ends up being, but it's it's really, really, really good, if not great. But it's not the rematch that literally in my wish for the season, my list of wishes for the season, I wished that I could see Wes and Derek finally settle the score. That pole wrestle has been talked about ad nauseum. I wrote a blog post once upon a time about that literal pole wrestle was the day the challenge became a sport. All this stuff. Derek's talked about it at length. Wes has talked about it at length. They both talk shit about it, wanting the rematch. And so you didn't have to give us all that production. You didn't have to give us all those montages if he wasn't going to pick Wes. You didn't have to set us up with this super high expectation that now can't be reached. And now even though I'm getting served some amazing shit, I'm left thinking, well, there was a slightly even somehow better option. There was a 10 out of 10. There was an A plus available. And so even though I'm getting a nine or an A, I'm feeling a little bit like, damn, I really wish I could have got that and I can't get that out of my head. And that's not good for the show. So end of rant, that was way longer than it probably needed to be. But editing team, production team, These cast members, especially on All-Stars, they're fucking good at their jobs. They're entertaining people. We have long histories with them. We love them. Some of them we might hate, but, you know, in a loving hate way, not real hate, TV hate, root against them in a sport sense kind of hate. But for the most part, we love them. We root for them. We want to see them. They're great at their jobs. They're entertaining. They're witty. They're funny. They're charismatic. All of that. You don't have to try to sell us something that didn't actually happen. Just give us the things that did happen. When it's really good, as this show is, it's going to be fine. You don't have to tell us that something amazing happens when, in reality, something just really great happens. Let's talk a couple actual storylines from the episode then. I mean, we touched on a couple things there. The bananas called 
the beginning of the pole wrestle. We'll talk uh, briefly more about them a little later on. A couple other, though, real storylines from this episode to go through. The first one, the sad one, Veronica disqualification. She gets sent home for the broken toe. We knew this was coming. We predicted it. We talked last week on the pod of it was very random that they gave us that quick 45-second aside of, hey, by the way, Veronica fell on the stairs and hurt her foot, and that's all we're going to say about it. Very obvious that they had to sneak that in, and this is where it's totally, you know, it might, you know, they're they're telling us something in advance, but they have no other choice. I don't blame the editing for that in any way. They kind of they have to. They're in a they're in a shit spot. Someone's going to get sent home for a random injury that occurred in the house. That sucks. Sucks for everyone. Sucks most for Veronica and for us, the fans. It's super super sad. I love Veronica so so much. Um, I was so excited to have her back in the All-Stars house. I'm so glad that she did so well on this season and that she seemed to be having a great time with it. And it sucks that this is the way that she has to go out. It's been very interesting watching this season and her come back on this season at the same time where I'm just, you know, wrapping up having done the first 10 seasons of the show uh, in the last month or a couple months here. And Veronica's on seven of the first 10 seasons of the challenge. She is the OG, the true original star of the challenge, the first ever face of the challenge. And watching all of those, I already loved her from way back when, and I re-fell in love with her all over again, watching all of those seasons, which made it even more fun to then every week tune back into All-Stars and see her here. So super sad, and it is a bummer that, you know, it's an injury where TJ at least, you know, says immediately, hey, I'm we're not giving you a decision. Uh, like, I'm sure you would try to compete on a broken toe, but like, we're just, we're going to take the decision out of your hands. You're not allowed to. Loved also TJ, the the honesty, too, of him, you know, being like, one, you're a legend, you're awesome, and yes, we're like, you're not allowed to even try. Don't ask. You're not allowed to try to compete on it, but also please, please, please come back. The fact he, like, literally said, please, please will let us see you on the show again was incredible. TJ has been in recent years more open about, you know, sharing his feelings of I want to see you back or I don't want to see you back. And you can always tell kind of how what his feelings are when anyone gets eliminated. But no one has ever gotten a please, please come back on the show again. Uh, to my knowledge, I don't think I think I would remember that. So pretty incredible stuff. Uh, and now the duo of Veronica and yes, uh, one of, you know, a famed duo in challenge history, one of my all-time favorite friendships in the challenge world. They both go out with TJ, high praise for both. Yes, a few episodes back, TJ calls the greatest human to ever play the challenge, and now Veronica, please, please come back. So pretty great looks in defeat or disqualification for that duo, but Veronica is gone, and while I love her dearly, uh, if we're being honest, um, you know, the, if there's any silver lining of this, it's that I don't think verse with the women that were left in assuming that the final is similar in nature to the last few All-Stars finals, I don't know that Veronica was going to win. I would think she would have maybe needed to have, you know, like a pretty big star lead and hope those turn out to be pretty important. We will talk about the stars in a little bit here to give herself some sort of advantage to just win a straight-up final versus a Kayla, Kellyanne, John A. But who knows? I mean, she's won before, team setting, but 
could have happened. Maybe, hopefully, as TJ says, please, 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 Veronica, come back, do another season of All-Stars. We're all begging you, and we'll see. We'll put that to the test. But it could be a silver lining that, hey, I went out on a DQ. No one beat me. Uh, you know, no one beat me in an elimination. I didn't have to go into a final and, you know, lose in any sort of way. I got right up to the end. I was in eight of the nine episodes. So, in a, in a weird way, maybe it's a slight win. Hopefully that toe injury ain't so bad. Hopefully she gets over, recovers from it very quickly, assuming now, months later, hopefully she has fully recovered from that. Prediction for next episode, though. I'm going to jump ahead to predictions because it's related to Veronica DQing. While they never say it in the moment, and they you know they go through the whole thing, everyone else does the daily challenge, they have John A and Mark pick a woman to throw into the elimination. They pick Kayla. They have Kayla when they get to the elimination call out someone to go against in the pole wrestle. She picks Kellyanne. I'm predicting that those two do not actually end up having to do a pole wrestle. I would assume they want to keep this at four women, four men for the final. If that was obviously the goal and they have an injury this late in the season, there's no room for a replacement or anything of that sort. They're not in partners where they can send a partner home to. They're going to want to keep it balanced, mostly, if anything, for, I would guess the final isn't 100% pure individual, usually even in the individual ones. It's some sort of you pair up at certain times with people. And if that's the case, if that was what they've been planning on this whole time and they've been setting up this whole time, they don't want to go in with uneven numbers, guy to gal. So, my prediction for next episode is that those women have to watch the men do the pole wrestle, have to get fully amped up and freaked out about having to do it themselves. And then TJ, one last little twist, will say, you know what? Actually, I think you both deserve to be finalists. Here you go. You're in the final. I would think if that happens, I hope I hope he literally makes them get in the middle of the ring and put their hands on the pole before he says, you know what? No, we don't need to do this. You're both badasses. You're both in my final here. And, you know, put the pole down. Let's go. So that is prediction number one for next episode. We'll cover the rest at the end, as always. Moving into the next storyline from the episode, quick touch on the daily challenge. Pretty solid daily challenge. We knew uh, at some point from the trailer, them fall, people falling from uh, the helicopter into water was very prevalent in the trailer. So we knew at some point this was going, something about the helicopters jumping out of it was going to happen. We get this version of it. A couple notes regarding the daily challenge. I love Naya so much. Uh, I like Naya a lot coming into this season and was rooting for, you know, the full her and Jordan kind of having their to some degree, redemption arcs um, and being able to put themselves back in front of the cameras and talk about things of the past and everything else. They've done a wonderful job. And I love in this episode how willing Naya is to be vulnerable on screen for, you know, to be vulnerable with her cast members in the moment and as well as knowing that that's going to be on screen for us. Um, it, you know, we, we get a lot of it both in the Daily Challenge and outside of it of her working through, you know, trying to build her own self-confidence back up in belief in herself and why she's doing any of these things. She talks a lot about, you know, I was doing this with Jordan and that was what got me to the place where I was willing to do it because it was so cool that the two of us had come so far and that we were both willing to go through this process and know that we're going to put ourselves out there given what our past on the shows have been, but we're going to do it together and we've got this support system there and then Jordan leaves and her with her support system just pulled out from under her like that, she wasn't fully ready to handle it without him. 
And I think it's a very good thing that Jordan did not get eliminated earlier because I would I would venture to guess that given what we see from Naya in this episode and where, you know, where her mind goes to without him in the house and how she's got to kind of work through that. She even mentions at one point in this episode potentially wanting to quit. I believe right at the end of the daily challenge, she's like, uh, you know, have feeling some emotions on the podium afterwards and either in confessional voiceover something says to the effect of think maybe I should just quit and go home right now. I feel like if Jordan got eliminated early in the season, there is a real chance that Nia would have been like, fuck this. Like I, I came, I came to do this under the you know circumstances of I was getting to do it with this person that I care about and who's going through the same sort of thing as I am with coming back into this game. And if he ain't here, I ain't doing another weeks or whatever this is. So probably a very good thing that he left as late as he does. Um, as far as Nia in the daily challenge itself, in that moment, that's a very tough. She's clearly in just a very tough spot mentally to be faced with uh, something that brings about some fear in her at a time when she, you know, her self confidence has dropped and she's searching for how to bring it back up without this support system that she had previously been reliant on for that. And I'm not gonna get on her for not doing be for not for not jumping for not being willing to do it. Uh, each person quitting a daily challenge is very different circumstances. Each one, I take uh, circumstance by circumstance, much like TJ and how he handles quitters. Totally depends on the context, the circumstances, what the people are going through. Yes, my bias for wanting to root for Naya and really liking Naya is clearly showing through partially in that because there's other people that I might drag for not being able to do that jump out of the helicopter. There's other people who have quit dailies on this very season that I have had harsh words for before, but I think they do a good job of giving us, showing us some of the conversations along the way uh, before and after and where she was at mentally to paint the right picture of, you know, this is what she's going through. She's putting it all out there for us to watch. Um, it's very interesting to be able to watch. It's very vulnerable from her. It's very appreciated from her to really put, put herself out there like that. And so, you know, uh, I totally get it. And I'm impressed. She at least going up in the helicopter, which in the end, I'm sure. <laughs> I wonder if after the fact, if she's like, well, fuck, I ended up quitting any, I ended up not doing it. Why did I even go up in the helicopter to begin with? It would have been easier just to sit on the ground, way less camera time of me sitting there and whatnot. But uh, it doesn't cost her anything. Uh, she steps up afterwards and does say to John A, like, hey, I didn't do the jump today, so like, I totally probably deserve to go into the elimination, so it's fine if you want to pick me. That's, you know, impressive of her. So I love Naya is basically the end of that. Other things about the Daily Challenge, very fun visuals, the jumping out of helicopters. It, it pans out, it works, it does work. It is cool to watch, cool to see. No one takes a bad fall, which is good. I know sometimes those, you know, another one of those lines that we're trying not to cross of it's kind of fun when someone takes a crazy wild fall but only if they do a crazy wild fall and they're they're totally okay like oh my gosh I can't believe you're okay but good thing you are now I can kind of laugh at it or whatever Um, no one takes a bad fall the jumps are cool the helmet camera had had multiple notes multiple in a row notes about uh, is the helmet camera the front facing the little antenna helmet camera, the least flattering camera angle of all time. Because I'm going to go on a limb and say, not even a limb, a sturdy branch, because I think this is full-blown fact. 
that antenna face camera helmet cam has to be the worst camera angle, the least flattering of all time. We've got a bunch of good looking people left in this in this uh, All Stars three, and those helmet cameras are just such a funky angle to look at someone's face and it's so up close and it makes their face so big and they were using tons of them on this one and it's really cool getting to see when they go in the water seeing the view from that camera but when it's just them standing freaked out on the edge of a helicopter like oh i can't believe i'm about to do this i'm gonna do this i'm gonna jump seeing that super up close of their face from a top-down view uh not the most flattering camera angle there's ever been for sure last notes on the daily Love that they have to get the puzzle exact and that it isn't like check, check, check over and over. It's like, no, you get one chance, you put it together, you tell us when you want your time to stop, but you got to get it exactly right. Makes it way more difficult. Uh, can't just be someone who's like throw the nine pieces up there and say check and just move one at a time. Can't guess at it. Try to remember. I just have to remember six and then how hard is it to switch the bottom three and do check every 10 seconds till I get it right. So love that about it. And Mark and Derek, they know going into this daily challenge that it's obvious to them how the alliance in the house is broken down of the five guys that are left and the fact that the two of them both have four stars, the most in the house. People thinking about those a little bit. They know whoever between them doesn't, if one of them wins, they're safe. If both neither of them wins, whoever doesn't win, they are very much going to probably end up in that elimination. And so it's exciting that it comes down, that they set that up really well, and we know that and can see that, and then it comes down to Mark versus Derek is the only two that get it right. Shout out to Derek, another puzzle gotten right, where you know Wes ain't getting it right, Nehemiah didn't get it right, Brad not getting it right, so Derek's puzzle skills really, really, uh, whatever his puzzle rating coming into this season was, vault that rating way up for next season, you know, turn that way, way up, because he has been absolutely crushing it, so That's the daily challenge. Final uh, storyline to touch on is the stars. The stars become the story of the back half of the episode, really almost the whole episode. Everyone wants them now. Everyone wants to get them some stars. They've been a mystery all season long. No one's cared that they, what power they may bring. They wanted to stay out of elimination right here till the very end. Now everyone wants some stars. And on the women's side, it feels like maybe everyone's willing, trying to find the silver lining of maybe going into the final elimination by saying, ah, at least I would get some stars if I win. So that's good because it feels like all three women that are up for possibly getting into that elimination know that there's no strong alliances at play here to fall back on or play against. We're all kind of individuals in this game. John A doesn't have any positive or negative feelings, you know, way more heavily to either of us. And or, you know, we're all pretty equal competitors. So it could be any of us. I might as well both mentally trick myself into thinking it could be a good thing and sound badass and say I want the stars. But maybe it's more just pure strategy of there's not there's not a lot else to campaign on in that moment. On the men's side, though, it does seem like at least Wes and only Wes really genuinely wants those stars. He genuinely thinks, hey, they have to be some sort of advantage. TZ's talked about them enough all season. They can't, I've done too many of these things. They can't be, you know, they can't be nothing in the end. And if I got the most of them, that's going to be, I'm already feel like I'm the best one here. Now I have the most advantage. I'm, I'm going to win. And he says as much, we'll cover that in a few minutes when we get to awards, but it feels like Wes totally genuinely wants them and is willing to put his game on the line for them. 
I think without him saying it, the other part of this is that he realizes that if I don't get them, uh, yeah, maybe Nehemiah would, and that'd be good for me. We're buddies, we're working together, and in the final, if he wins because of those, that'd be great. I'd feel great for my guy, Nehemiah, but I think he sees also Mark and Derek both have four. They're working together. I can't have those two end up with all of the stars. They're going to use them against me, number one, and that means all of the stars out there are going to be used against me versus me having the most to use against anyone who is posing a threat during the final to me. So I think he's playing chess yet again here and really weighing out the, could I win a final without getting these stars? Yes, but if I don't get them, if Derek keeps them and Derek and Mark have them, can I win a final in that scenario? I don't know. Are my odds of beating Derek in an elimination and then winning the final with the advantage more higher than it is going into a final with the super disadvantage? I think he did that calculus and that's why he was willing to go for them. Or is he playing even further, you know, 3D level chess, uh, which chess is a 3D game to begin with, but you know what I'm saying. Is he going even further, six, seven, eight, nine moves ahead? And is he yet again securely or secretly securing himself in the game, unbeknownst to everyone? Does he do all of this to actually avoid the elimination? Does he make such a big fuss about it? Does he find a way to, how do I get out of this elimination? I make them think, I want to be the one in there. I'm going to beat Derek. I want his stars. I want to go in there. I'm confident. And in fact, piss them off so much that they literally laugh when they choose, don't choose him. And he comes in and is like, so I didn't get what I wanted. Great. Thanks, guys. John A. and Mark literally laugh about it. Derek laughs about it. And Wes doesn't end up in the elimination. Was that actually what he was angling on? Even though it did mean that his great friend was going in already. He's already proven earlier this season. He's a great friend. He went in, he sacrificed himself for Brad. So if he secretly tried to work it where Nehemiah can go instead of me, uh, you know, is it that bad if no one knows? I see you, Wes. I see you thinking all this through, and I don't I don't know on this one which way he was thinking, but he was definitely doing a lot of thinking. My prediction for the stars going into the finals, we're just going to mix, sprinkle in these predictions throughout the whole podcast, but my prediction for the stars themselves, they are going to have some sort of sabotage level effect. That is the level of importance I believe they are going to have. They're going to be similar to the sabotages that have been handed out this season. You know, a one minute penalty here, a little bit of extra weight to weigh where for this portion over here. Uh, it's eating. You get one extra plate, 10% more than everyone else. They're going to matter, but they're going to be small. Where they're going to matter is if someone has all of them or if someone gets all of them put on them. So that's what I think that their kind of level of importance is going to be, which does then mean, yes, the winner of Nehemiah and Derek has five, but Mark will have four no matter what. And Wes has two. And so I, I would assume they're not going to cancel each other out. You know, if some, if someone Mark or Derek Nehemiah has five, they're going to get to do five things with them to some degree. And Mark will get to do four. I don't think they're going to go in and be like, well, you have five, he has four, he has two and he has one. So Brad, you don't have any actually in West instead of two, you only have one and Mark, you actually only have three and Derek, you only have four. I don't think they're going to try to cancel any of them out. They're all going to get to use them, but this does lead to the Nehemiah Derek pole wrestle being monumentally important because as we just kind of previously already said, Let's say Derek wins. Derek wins the pole wrestle. That means Derek has five stars. His number one ally, Mark, has four. 
Wes has two, Brad has one. That means nine stars between the two of them that are working together, only three for the other two, and that means that Wes probably has literally no chance to win the final if if Derek and Mark are like, you know, we like Brad's kind of been our third guy the whole season and we, Wes is the biggest competition. So put them all on him, maybe sprinkle one or two on Brad, sure, but put them all on Wes and let's help each other out, buddy, me versus you going to the end. I think if Derek wins his pole wrestle, either Derek or Mark is probably winning this final given the advantages they could have or would one of them backstab each other? I don't know. But then if Nehemiah wins... Nehemiah suddenly got five, Mark has four, Wes has two, Brad has one, Nehemiah and Wes, you know, work together to some degree, Wes now is freed up to possibly be able to win this, Mark probably using them against him, but also Mark probably then throwing at least a couple of those on Nehemiah, because I would assume Nehemiah would go, hey, Brad and Mark, I'm splitting these between you, and you know, maybe Brad gets three and Mark gets two, because I'm a little more nervous about Brad, who knows, maybe they all go to Mark, and they're like, Brad, Nehemiah, and Wes, we're all, you know, put everyone, put all of it on Mark, sorry, Godfather, you're getting fourth place, the three friends are, you know, finishing this out, but either way, this bull wrestle really could dictate in a big way who actually wins the final not just off which competitor is there to compete, but who's got the stars, who's got the advantages, which alliances have the advantages. That could be a huge, huge factor. Let's run through some awards real quick. Same three as always. Best quote, best moment, episode MVP. As for best quote, gotta say, halfway through this episode, I had the thought of, am I going to, for the first time ever, not give out a best quote award because they're letting me down so much here. And then, of course, these these are professionals. They're good at their jobs. They came through in the back half and especially at the end. So we got three nominees for the best quote of the season. The first one comes from Wes. It's a little bit of a monologue, but the specific, I've been playing Mario Kart my whole life in the middle of it gets it the full nominee for a quote of the week. Talking about Derek Stars, talking with Nehemiah and Brad about how confident he is. Not only can he go get them, what he would do with them. Take it away, Mr. Weston Bergman. TJ has been harping on these stars this entire game. The more stars you have, the more power you have in this game. So I burglarize his stars, setting myself up to be the wealthiest man going into the finals. And with all due respect to y'all, if I go in and take out Derek stars, I am gonna win. If I have the most stars, I'm gonna be chucking them at whoever's behind me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The whole time. I get it. Like I get turtle it. shells. Yeah. I played Mario Kart my whole life. I know how to fucking put those banana peels behind me. I'm gonna fuck you guys up. Then, in the arena, Naya's up there on stage. Ke- or Kayla, excuse me, has to make her choice, and Naya Some of that confidence is back. When she sees that arena, she gets confident there. She needs to transfer it, as she says, over into the other parts of the game. But she sees a stick in the ground in that arena, and she, well, not to her face, but via confessional, lets Kayla know it would be a mistake to call her out. For Kayla's sake, I hope that she would not call my name because I would dog walk her, and she knows that. So I wish that I could just channel that and put it in my game outside of the eliminations because I obviously need it. Third and final one, speaking of confidence in the arena, Nehemiah, you know, normally 
the little pre, uh, pre-elimination interviews and little like hype segments, they don't always work. Uh, and for a large part, because I think a lot of the competitors sometimes are like, do I really have to like do a confessional right now? I'm like trying to get hyped up to win this thing because I want to win this thing because then I can maybe win the money. That's why we're all here. Like this is the only time I really don't want to be on the camera having to talk. I'm trying to think through this. So usually those don't end up that great. This one, though, fantastic. Gets Nehemiah nominated, not just nominated, but wins the quote of the week for his perspective on letting that monster out in the zen that we've all known to associate with Nehemiah hasn't been for the reason we thought. I feel like it's time to go to that dark place that I've been trying to avoid. I gotta bring out that monster that I keep hitting far away. People think that uh, I got zen to save myself, but I really got zen to save everybody from me. So he doesn't know what type of fight that he's getting himself into tonight. He wanted it, he's about to get it. Sometimes we bite off more than we can chew. It's time to go to work. Those are some like John Wick level like type type of shit that you would see in a movie like that. I got Zen to save everybody else from me. Love, 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 love that from Nehemiah. That is the quote of the week. As for the best moment of the week, three nominees, Wes calling bananas, Bananas saves it. He he makes it fun by doing by doing the outfit, the thong thing, getting up twice. Love, you know, one to never not beat a bit into the ground. Doesn't do it just once, does it twice. Um, otherwise, the call again, super blurry, shitty audio. That that part doesn't make sense to me at all. But uh, not a whole lot there. But he gets a laugh out of it. It's fun to see Bananas and West still not finally acknowledging even more. They have obviously on Total Madness. They work together the whole thing, and now in real life, they're open about the fact that they are very, very good friends. Because you know, not many other people have the experiences that they have. It's kind of just them and a couple others. They're best buddies. It shows through. It's wonderful. That's a nominee for best moment. As is the little bit of the pole wrestle we get to see. As always, pole wrestle's amazing. <laughs> especially when you get two great competitors. And I know in my huge rant earlier, you know, we talked about setting the expectation that it was going to be West first Derek and, you know, feeling a little let down that it's not. That was, as I tried to say over and over there, that takes nothing away from this unbelievable match that we are getting and how the brief bit of it we get, Nehemiah is looking like he's uh, working Derek over a little bit or is Derek just tiring Nehemiah out? We don't know, but it's amazing. I still was on the edge of my seat, borderline standing up. I was still amped up, adrenaline running through the same way anytime a really good matchup and one of the headbangers comes about. So absolutely loved it. Looking forward to seeing the rest of it next week. That gets nominated for the best moment of the week, as does the third and final nominee. And I'm going to go ahead and give the award to Nehemiah and Naya chatting about having a why. Uh, That is a concept that is, you know, very important to me and I'm very interested in is, you know, having that why, sticking to it, using it as a tool for confidence and self-esteem and drive and motivation and the whole thing. And I thought it was beautiful and wonderful to see, you know, Naya in this moment, both being, you know, open about what she's feeling, what she's going through, where she's mentally at, and Nehemiah being able to, you know, put himself in her shoes, give some good advice, talk it out, and just have a really honest open conversation and dialogue and really real authentic moment for us to you know see into both of their lives and you know who they are as people it's all really wonderful i thought he gave fantastic advice i thought the whole thing was heartwarming and i appreciate both of them for putting themselves 
out there in that context. That chat between Nehemiah and Naya was the best moment of the episode in my book. As for the episode MVP, Naya, Mark, Derek, Nehemiah, Wes, all five have a claim to it. This was one of the more balanced episodes uh, that there's been in in, in a while, uh, especially like you even look at the confessional count. I mean, we've got pretty much four, nine, five, nine, nine, six, seven, four, five, all the way down. So everyone's getting some screen time. Everyone's, you know, up for elimination. There's only so many people left, so it's a little easier to kind of give everyone a little bit of screen time and a little bit of balance. So makes the MVP a little bit harder. I thought, you know, Naya, obviously, um, you know, she comes up short of winning the MVP because she did, you know, not do the jump. But as we talked about earlier, we love her to death and we liked everything we saw from her and appreciate everything we saw from her this episode. She got votes, didn't quite get the win. Mark gets the daily challenge win, continues his win streak. Um, you know, so that gets him some votes, doesn't quite pull off the win. Derek, you know, he's our, he's in there doing his thing in pole wrestle. We get a little glimpse of Derek and pole wrestle. That's always fantastic. He, you know, Talks a great game through all of this, uh, performs well at the Daily Challenge, just comes up short. The whole thing, Derek gets some votes, not quite there. Nehemiah, you know, has the great moment, has the great quote. He's won the past two awards. There's a good argument that he should maybe actually win the MVP of the episode. But we didn't see the end of the pole wrestle. If Nehemiah, if we saw the whole thing and Nehemiah won, of course, he would be the episode MVP. But I'm going to have to give it to my guy, Weston Bergman, mostly because I'm just biased towards West, but also I feel like, this episode, the the thing, if you took anything away from a pretty balanced episode, if you took one thing away, what would hurt the most? I think it's Wes's bravado and confidence. It's you know him pulling bananas into an episode somehow. It's him having that conversation with Nehemiah and Wes and playing these like multi-level strategic moves, but also playing for the cameras and being wild and everything about it. And so... Got to give it the MVP to Wes yet again. He has been pretty unquestionably at this point the MVP of the season. We will see if that's where he ends up when we get through the final episode next week and do a full season recap of this season. But he takes home another episode MVP for episode eight. Finishing up with our power rankings and predictions. We're going into the final, so these are important. The final power rankings, these will be the last ones, and these are very much just who is going to win. The power rankings and predictions kind of go hand in hand here. For the power final power rankings, uh, on the female side first, again, my belief is that both Kellyanne and Kayla will be in the final. My belief is that they are not going to actually have to pole wrestle. Uh, maybe I will be wrong on that, and uh, one of them won't make it. But either way, my final female power rank is Kellyanne, John A, Kayla, Naya. If the four of them run a final, I would have Kellyanne as the odds on favorite slightly over John A, who's slightly over Kayla, slightly over Naya. I think any of the four can absolutely win it with the right, you know, super fast puzzle here, sabotage there, maybe great partner for this portion that really, really helps and benefits here, what have you. But uh, if I if I had to give a slight edge to anyone, I'm giving it to Kellyanne. Would be her first ever championship. John A could be going back to back. She is in her third straight All Stars final. Hats off to her, goddamn champion that she is. So that's the female side. On the men's side, I'm going Wes, Brad, the winner of Derek Nehemiah, and then Mark. 
Uh, I would put, if the sabotage didn't exist, I would put Wes as the odds-on favorite of these four, and I'd put Brad just a touch behind him. I think this could be the duel all over again, not in the pole wrestle that we got, but in a Brad versus Wes showdown in the final, very, very close race in the final. And then I would say Derek Nehemiah, whoever wins that, uh, you know, in that third spot and Mark in the fourth, mostly because I feel like Mark's going to be a little too nice with his sabotages. But again, as I said, I really would, this is totally dependent. If you told me Derek wins the pole wrestle, then I might have Derek one, Mark two, Brad three, West four. And if you tell me Nehemiah wins the pole wrestle, I probably have West one, Nehemiah two, Brad three, Mark four. So fully dependent on who gets those stars, who gets how important those stars are. If the stars turn out to not be important at all, then I like Wes and Brad the most, but we shall see. Uh, Same on the women's side, same on the men's side. Any of these people can win, certainly, and I'd I'd be pretty thrilled with any of them winning as well. So that leads us to our predictions. Gotta say, our preseason predictions, I I feel like at this point I I have to come out and say and remind everyone I stay away from the spoilers. I have no idea what's about to happen. I just was, for the first time ever in the history of this podcast, was good at preseason predictions because we lost Veronica. So of the eight finalists I thought there would be, uh, we've lost two of them, but six still remain. Wes, Nehemiah, Brad, Mark, Kelly, and Kayla. So if I am correct that there is no women's pole wrestle and Kayla and Kelly both get in there, and if Nehemiah beats Derek then I'm going to get six out of eight, right? That feels pretty good. And I got Wes and Kellyanne as winners. So we will see if that plays out. This week's predictions that I made for this episode, I said Veronica would get sent home due to her foot. That was a very easy prediction. Got that one right. And then I said the final male elimination. I went way out on a limb and said it would be Wes versus Derek and pole wrestle. Shot my shot and really threw my alley-oop and Derek did not slam it home for me. I was very, very close, but I did get that one wrong. For the final though, predictions. Now, we've said a few of them. Uh, we said Kayla and Kellyanne won't do the pole wrestle. I said that the stars will be sabotage level, uh, you know, impact, a, a minute time here, an extra plate of food here, a weighted vest here, those sorts of things, pretty equivalent to what the sabotages have been all season long. So those are out of the way. The others I will say is... First off, the pole wrestle, got to make a prediction. We've seen a little bit of it. They make it look like Nehemiah is really, you know, getting it. He is, by the end, he is very close over to his cauldron. He is on top of Derek at all times of everything we've seen so far. They make it look like he's going to win. Who knows if that's just, you know, tricky editing by them or, you know, he gets a hot start, as we said before. Maybe Derek, very experienced in this, knows It's about hanging on. It ain't about beating the other person up. Let him tire himself out by beating me into the ground. I can take it. And when he tires out, I'll seize on my moment. Who knows? But I'm going to go out and say, I think Nehemiah wins the pole wrestle. I think he pulls the upset. It would be an upset. That's nothing against Nehemiah. It's Derek in pole wrestle. He's got a history with this. It's a thing, you know, him versus Joss. I always reference it. It is a historical, monumental, brutal event in challenge history. I think Nehemiah wins the pole wrestle, though. And a quick aside on that, it's got to be the best feeling in the world for either Nehemiah or Derek. Whoever wins this, they obviously know it already happened. It happened a long time ago. And they now have to spend this week of their life. They know that this episode airs today. Now everyone sees the two of them enter a pole wrestle. And there's a week of who's going to win this pole wrestle. And if you're Nehemiah, and if Nehemiah did win this, this next week 
has to be freaking awesome just waiting the whole time for that moment to drop, especially given that, you know, like I said, I think Derek would be the favorite between these two. So I think there's going to be, if there's any chatter online, it's going to be, ooh, Derek's going to get this, Derek's got this, Derek's got this. And if whoever wins gets to see any of that online and gets the whole week to wait, their friends asking, whoever asking, did you win, did you win, did you win? Knowing that that moment is going to come next week and it's going to get shown that they win a pole wrestle versus an awesome competitor. It's got to be such a fun week to just sit there and wait for that to happen. Just the greatest feeling. So uh, either way, one of them's having a freaking awesome week waiting to see that. The other one, maybe not so much waiting for that final shoe to drop. I think Nehemiah wins a pole wrestle. And as for the final, 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 I think Wes and Kellyanne win. I'm sticking by my preseason predictions. Uh, They're both still there. I think they're going to both be in the final. If Kelly and Kayla have to pole wrestle, toss up, either one could win. But either way, I'm sticking with my guns. I'm saying Wes and Kellyanne will win the final. They will be the All-Stars 3 champions, and they will have a super-duper awkward hug at the end when they've both won. Um, and they, they will, for the second time this season, mention that they used to date on the show in a challenge house before. And I'm guessing that there will be some awkwardness to that there will also be some very heartwarming to it i would love to see if kellyanne becomes a champion that's going to be amazing if west wins again it's going to be fantastic so that is the predictions and that is all for this episode we will be back next week for that finale same time wednesday afternoon we'll be here right after you've watched the finale we'll be here to break it all down as we said at the start of this podcast the Inferno 2 pod was up a couple days ago. Check that out. Get to binging the gauntlet 2. That pod will be out next week as well. We'll get you Challenge USA content coming as soon as we can find someone to tell us who the hell all of these people are. And with that, thank you so much for watching. Get in touch at Challenge Historian on Instagram. If you got comments, questions, concerns, anything you want to say, you just want to chat challenge, hit me up there. Slide in the DMs. Find all the extra bonus content there as well. Thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you again soon. Peace.